Eight minutes it is before 8 p.m. It's our wrap of the top business stories in our business wrap. Joining us this evening is independent market commentator, analyst, and CA, Snesipo Manindra. Snesipo, good evening to you and welcome. Uh, evening, I am lovely to chat to you on a Wednesday. Yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit different. Um, there was a gentleman who, you know, messaged me after the thing. What man? It was a Monday today. Ben Lindele, what's happening? Have you guys chucked her out of the team? I was like, hey, I don't know. I don't. Know. I thought it was my birthday. Remember. Well, I'm trying to explain that your fans, Ziak So, and the Azbo Fnantin. And the But, uh, yeah, man, happy belated birthday. I certainly hope you enjoyed it. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, let's kick things off. I mean, I want us to start off with Lewis. These are the guys who sell household appliances, furniture, and all manner of other things. They sell uh, these via installment, and they sell you insurance as well. But it seems they're making a considerable amount from cash sales now. Um, yes, I think we can. I think we need to take it back to remember when we talked about a couple of weeks ago about the results of cash build and telltale. Those, of course, are the building materials for renovations. Obviously, you need furniture mm. in back oak or so. It literally is. I think it, it, it. You could be. You could see the trend coming on, which shows that. So, which shows in terms of how retail has been performing. So if you look at the fact that retail numbers um, came out, um, if their retail numbers came up and they were, they were better than expected, a lot of people thought it was fashion retail, but I, I don't suspect so. I, I genuinely believe homeware retail got the bulk of, got the bulk of the action because when I look at um, stores, um, specifically, this is just from my own experience, when you go to stores, the clothing is still the same clothing they had in February. Mm, mm. Whereas, whereas in terms of home renovation projects, when I think about what I did, I, I also bought a new dining room suite. So I'm also part of these numbers. Now on a room divide and a wall unit. Yeah, I did. I did. Mm. They sell good stuff, guys. They sell good stuff. Like, so which one is this? The main, uh, Lewis, or some of the subsidiaries? I know, I mean, bears. I think bears. some of the subsidiaries. Yeah, I think bears. No. No, I don't go to bears. I went to United Fashion. Oh, United okay, Rome, right. not that one. I okay, okay. I actually don't know where the bears is in Gauteng North. No, Gauteng but you know the strategy, Mas. Bears, you know, now goes to some of these secondary towns. Uh, they're normally there next to some of Opox and Opawa and all of that kind of thing. Uh, but as you're saying, I mean, uh, you know, UFO and Lewis of the North. So uh, yeah. they don't have Lewis uh, in the of North. Of the North. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> But says it all, let, I mean, let, let's talk about, um, I guess, the the um, impact of COVID on uh, this particular furniture retail. I mean, a lot of people making uh, quite a bit of um, the same issues that we speak about when we talk about DIY facing, you know, sectors, ital tile and uh, some of those that are in the renovation space. And uh, I guess some analysts making the same argument here for Lewis saying home improvements have certainly influenced a lot of the cash sales that have come through here. Yes, definitely. So what was ironic enough is that if you look at where their book sales are usually, they, they, most of their sales are usually from debt, where they participate in exploitative lending and exploitative. This time, cash sales have been the driver. There was something I think we talked about a couple of weeks ago was that a lot of people being retrenched and using that retrenched money to some of it to uh, improve their homes, uh, improve their um their lifestyles, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think, I think those the, in, in their homes and you know what, there's been a lot of, 
guys, I think fundamentally we have changed uh, consumer expenditure. So for me, I like this trend, and you can see it in the share price. You can see it in the share price movement. You can see it in 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 all the in all the things um, they want to talk about. In all the things that they want to talk about, in terms of you can see it. But for me, it's short term because of this specific period mm. that we're entering, that we're actually entering. I think once we all go, when I eventually go back to the office. When I eventually go back, I think that we'll again have another shift of consumer because I think, especially being at home, you're because I'm here all the time. I constantly am thinking about what am I going to do next to my home. Mm, 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 mm. Now, 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 I guess for me, here's the other uh, consideration. Uh, just as we uh, think about. Uh, you know, how many people have been improving their homes. In a lot of sectors of the economy, people haven't had the option. I mean, if you think about uh, many categories of occupations or, or certain types of work, well, you can't necessarily be working from home, and many of them have continued to use minibus taxis. Uh, and that's had, uh, um, I guess, a knock-on impact on the results of those who insure and finance those taxis. Uh, chief among those, SA Taxi and Transaction Capital. Uh, yes, they reignited their dividend. I think they wanted to see exactly um, what what exactly was going to be the knock-on effect of COVID. And since everyone, since their primary, let me put it this way, their primary um, customers of their customers, i.e. their customers are taxi, taxi drivers' customers are now fully back at work because they have no choice but to be at work on this adjusted risk level, they finally feel comfortable in ability to um, declare dividends and you can see it in the results. My question is that um, you oh, Minister Tito wants to tax um, taxis. I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's a story that came through on Monday. I mean, I, I was quite sort of, uh, it was quite bizarre. I mean, he says taxis uh, as a sector have only paid, you know, 15 million rand in uh, income tax and i was like yeah that that those are the few owners who voluntarily decide to do that um, in the main people don't disclose let alone yeah. pay so that's the thing so for me um i, I think it's i think what it was trying to point to is that remember last year SA taxi and they talked about how they they're excluded from the formal economy and they want to they a big contributor when we look at their actual contribution, and this is what I always like to talk about, their actual contribution to the fisc versus the benefit they get from uh, operating in um, um, operating in the country. When you think about the fact that, quite simply put, taxis are huge causes of accidents, taxis, you know, the auxiliary, when you think of that cost-benefit analysis, it doesn't add up. And I, for one, I agree with Tito. We need to tax them. They must pay their taxes, I will. They must, I have to pay tax. They must pay tax as well. Mm. I don't understand what should have sconded. And my question is, for me, and strategically, if Tito and Treasury team is listening, you should do it through transaction capital. How so? Yeah, let's talk about a model there. So that at they've least, got, you know, Chris no, 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 Axelson and his team, they are listening. They've got, no, they've got the money. They've got the details. So they've got, remember, you as a taxi owner, Ayabonga would borrow money from um, transaction capital to purchase a taxi mm. and you need to prove that you're earning X amount. So transaction capital knows what your profitability is per unit taxi. Sure, And sure. they do it through the organizations as well. So for me, the easiest point of information is SA Taxi. 
the easiest, um, because one of the things we always want to talk about um, the fact that people think that taxis operate outside the formal economy. Um, it's a co- it's a combination of yes and no. Yeah, because like, I mean, there's certain things. Yeah, there's certain things where in the in the formal space, and in some cases, yeah. yeah. So their liabilities, their liability and asset side is in the formal sector, but the income side falls outside the tax regulation. Mm. But for you to get access to the liability asset side, you need to provide income. And for me, the easiest model is to go to SA Taxi. It's literally the easiest, easiest model. I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna. I'm gonna talk to David Hurwitz uh, in the next few minutes or so, and I'm actually gonna say, uh, yeah, says effectively, you guys must be the tax collectors on behalf of Edward Kisweta and his team. Uh, yeah, no, no, they yeah, should yeah. be. And, and by the way, this is not an abnormal model. This is the same model. For me, this is not an abnormal model. It's the easiest way to you. For me, I don't. I don't like reinventing the wheel when I look at tax collection or mm. or look at models. Who has the information? What information do you want? We all know to apply for finance, you need the ID number. Who is ID number? From ID number, we've got tax number. What do you need SA Taxi to do? SA Taxi needs to verify that they're standing in good order. Tax. You need to engulf them in that system. That's all you do. Like mm. For me, I'm like, guys, why are we reinventing the wheel? The easiest yeah, people to yeah. go to. What, you guys mustn't. I, I'm not a big believer in spending money collect taxes i'm a believer in using what where is the information system? sure sure okay sensible let's uh take a look at the story here from daybreak um now they are a uh, i guess integrated poultry farmer uh with uh, some operations i understand in uh, you know parts of pumalanga somewhere there and uh, now it seems there's a bit of a palace politics um and a bit of a issue there at the top uh irreparable breakdown of the relationship between uh, the erstwhile CEO and the board. What's happening here? Um, so basically, the board uh, fired the CEO, Mr. Berua, uh, and they said that he has no confidence in his ability to lead. They initiated, um, and this is where the issue, they initiated a forensic report a while back, and the forensic board um, report uh, apparently uh, disclosed it was a 430 page forensic report and this is even the more shocking part they then said that um there was supposed to be a disciplinary hearing a disciplinary hearing and unfortunately they were like actually we don't need a dc so the ceo he's uh obviously saying that i know uh, there's no DC. I must approach the labor court, which he is allowed in terms of our um, uh, in terms of our labor relations act. He's more than willing allowed to. My question is that are the allegations true or false? Um, yeah, and then also there's um, the the issue comes from you remember that they um, they owe the money the land bank money, which I think this is where the issue comes from. They owe the land bank. One of the issues come from is that they owe the land bank money. They then decided instead of paying the land bank, they were like, ah, let's pay some dividends. They did what? They paid dividends. So they... Wait, they paid uh, the land bank... Wait, they, they paid dividends pay. at a time when they hadn't met their obligations to the land bank? Yes. Yeah, yeah he authorized a payment of 50 million rand in dividends. Yeah. The payment was made yeah. in uh, May 2020, despite the fact that they owed the land bank about 250 million. Mm. And, so you, know, and are, you know, land banks are default. And says, Mali, says, Mali. 
and that's the thing mm. and that's the thing is a is a circle and and for me and for me um you know what i personally think what's happening at the land bank is a tragedy because yeah it is a tragedy it's mismanagement but it is a, it's a tragedy nonetheless because when we talk about land restitutions and food security mm. Organizations such as the Land Bank's lending practice, because ultimately, remember, it's a developmental finance organization. Yes, yes. It's of utmost importance. And when people do this, you're like, nah, fam. You're mm. like, nah, fam. Uh-uh. shame. So yeah. I, sh- I think, yeah, so that was one of the other issues that they also had. There's other corruption charges related to another transaction. But like I said before, the fact that they didn't have the DC is actually my issue. Is mm. my actual issue. Yeah, there's a lot of process issues around this particular story. When I yeah, about. it's process. For, yeah, me, yeah. for me, for me, if he did all of these things, uh, for me, the land bank issue, for me, it should be should be dismissal. Mm. Dismissal. Let, let's shift but, our attention from this one because, uh, yeah, I mean, I know there's there's a lot of overlapping issues here and uh, it can get uh, quite messy. Uh, but I guess one of the developing stories we're going to follow here, I want us to go to Zambia uh, because I guess there's a lot of dynamics there as well. And uh, chief among those dynamics, of course, record levels for the copper price, uh, one of the main exports of uh, Zambia. But they also uh, defaulted on some of their debt as well, just like the land bank. Yes, remember they defaulted. We spoke about this last year mm. when they defaulted. When they defaulted, so there's two issues at, at play. They defaulted, and uh, they also have an election coming up as well. And there've been discussions with the IMF, but there's also needs to be there's been parallel discussions with the lenders. As you know, the lenders here are not the IMF. These are pension funds, yes, by the way. Yes, yeah. Pension funds. It's not some rich guy chilling in Europe. Kai, it's pension Kai, funds. Kai, well, I am so, so they yeah, bring so, all of so, the things so, together yeah, and pay off the debt. So, or whatever. So, so, mm. so the question is, um, they've been having discussions and in terms of what is sort of like um, um, the way forward, because ultimately there are two problems at play. Uh, the, the Zambian government needs, needs that many from the world from the IMF, mm. number one. Number two, they need to solve the debt crisis and they can't solve the debt crisis without having go ahead from the IMF because ultimately lenders do not want to, um, do not want to um, extend further facilities. So you've got to do two things, pay off your existing debt and incur new debt, but under different terms. And part of the issues with the IMF, that's why I call them like the global Mashonisa. Because IMF always comes with um, policy decisions that need to be amended. And part of the policy... Decisions or impositions? uh, Same WhatsApp group at this point. Same WhatsApp group. Depending on... If it's an imposition, say it. They come and they say, because you you can't pay off your debts, we'll help you pay off your debts. But in return, here's a a set of policies that you guys must implement. The big thing is the fuel subsidies. They want the Zambian government to remove the fuel subsidies. Mm. Big thing. But when you remove, you, you seem to forget. I sometimes think among the IMF, they forget that they were in a third world country. Like, I sometimes think, I was like, okay, you want to remove... You think they forget? They, I, I don't think they care. I, I, 
How do you forget when you drive into Lusaka? This is a third world country. I mean, really. So so, so, so part of the issues are definitely the fuel subsidies, but, and also the fact that the quacha has depreciated significantly against Mm. the dollar. You've got the exports, but then again, if you look at, and that's my issue is that, that's why I say um, it's a function of either or, because for me, for me personally, is that, you can't seem to, when you say, when you try to propose certain sanctions in a developing country where the majority of the country are poor and in rural areas, let's forget the copper because the copper only benefits at least only 20 people in the country, if we're being honest. Mm. If we're being honest, yeah, no. 20 people, 20 people at most. Let's, let's think about what's actually happening in the country. And that's one of the... And and that and that's part of like what one of my issues and one of the things I struggle with personally in terms of the um the 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 the, the humanitarian re- regard for the IMF because that's for me I should be first and foremost because the thing is that they they did the they they did the visit uh, now in May um the commitment and and the Zambian authorities have said they're going to commit to the reforms. But for me, the reforms at what cost to the people? And that's one of the reasons my issues with the IMF personally, personally, and that's sort of like where I am with them in terms of thought and process, because ultimately, we, 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 they've committed to the reforms. But when I think about the fact that they want to remove a fuel subsidy, um, and then they also, and then you also have got the Chinese there, isn't you what, at group? You've got the Chinese there as well. It's doing what when you say it wasn't your WhatsApp groups? Doing Chinese are there doing what? Oh no, because they owe money, so they, they owe another three billion US dollars to the to the Chinese. Mm. So remember, you've got two. You've got two. That's also the issue with the IMF. You've got two group of lenders. You've got the Eurobonds, which are sitting at three billion. You've got the Chinese, which are sitting another three billion. That's six. They've defaulted. The Chinese haven't called default. But they sort of they the idea is that they they ask for debt relief mm. um, under a framework to help the country because ultimately they need debt relief. The country cannot afford to repay the money, so you need debt relief. So when we talk about debt relief on this case, we talk about the creditors taking a haircut. But the question is, who's going to take a haircut and in exchange for what? So when you take when we talk about sovereign debt with the IMF, so uh, let's say I owe you the most simple example. Let's say I owe you a hundred rand, and I say okay because I am longer, you can't afford this. I'm going to reduce my debt to fifty rand, but in exchange for life difference, I want you to sign something. Mm. But you get what I'm saying. So you get what I'm saying. Yeah, so it's, yeah. it's, it's a it's a balance and. And for me, I think that's sort of where the issues are. Um, and I think that it's literally, um, like I said, they say that they're looking to uh, reform, but we've got elections coming up in August. So, yes, yes. Yeah, you know, the the patriotic front government there in uh, uh, Zambia. And we know, I mean, they came out and said Edgar Lungu uh, is their uh, candidate for these elections. And there's still, you know, also some constitutional issues around whether or not he can stand because uh, his first term wasn't effectively his term. He was finishing off for somebody else. Yeah, Yeah, it becomes a mess. And and then the thing is that, so, so if you're a creditor, ultimately... No credit can discussion in terms of a debt discussion can take place in a situation until, like that, yeah. Until elections are concluded. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, 
we also need to look at this. So this is one of what I'd like to call about the geopolitical nature of global finance, mm. where we intersect, where we intersect in that you've got the politics on one hand, sure. you, you are dependent because you ultimately, you know who you want. They want Edward Twin because it's continuity and they would not have to subscribe from someone else. You have the hope that there's no going to be violence. We're still in the middle of a Panasonic IE COVID. Mm. We're still in the middle, and and and. But when we when we talk about these things, and it it becomes a very complicated discussion. But I always believe that ultimately, it is in the world's best interest because ultimately that's where the copper belt is that we sort sure. out with Zambia. Okay. Is the, yeah. Uh, I think the, the the message is quite clear there that it's in the interest of everybody, least of all during this moment, uh, that uh, the debt uh, impasse in Zambia is resolved. But uh, as I said, happens uh, in the context of many other unfolding dramas, least of all uh, the political one in the patriotic front out there in Lusaka. So, big thank you to you for your time and uh, thank you so much for joining us. All right, Ben. Snezibo Maninjwa there, business rap and uh, yeah, independent market commentator and analyst helping us there with our rap of the top business stories.